One of the most famous stories in all the Bible is when God comes to Abraham and makes to him perhaps one of the most famous promises that he will have an offspring coming from him as many as there are stars in the heavens. And, you know, when you think about that, it's like, well, he's just this random man in a desert somewhere. God comes to him and says that this will happen to him. Like, how could that be? Right. And then we would expect that for God to do this, God is going to be just, you know, it's just going to go open door, open door, open door. And everything is just going to be easy along the way to this journey, especially because, I mean, come on, Abraham gave up everything, left his home country, if you will, that he knew well to the to go to the part to this land. He does not know he's giving up a lot for God. And then when he is on the way on this journey to the promise, if you will, he looks at his wife and his wife is getting older. In fact, his wife is barren. She's not having any children. Now, how is he going to have this promise of a, an offspring as many as the stars in the heavens come forth with a wife who's getting older and cannot have children? You know, this feels like, well, why is God doing this? You know, why does God not just make it easy? And in fact, the story goes on, of course, with Hagar and all the things that they try out. But then eventually Sarah does have the promised child. But not without trial. But if you go on to the next generation, Right. Abraham has a son. We have Isaac come forth. And now now we have Isaac and we read in Genesis 25, 21. He prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. So it was not just Abraham's wife, Sarah, who struggled to have children. Now, the next generation who is now a part of this promise, they're having a struggle to have children. And we see his wife, Rebecca, she's barren. In fact, if I don't know if you know this, but in Genesis 25, 26, we, we realize that, well, you know, he he was 40 years old. Isaac was 40 years old when he prayed this prayer for his wife to get pregnant. And it took 20 years, 20 years for her to conceive her child. I mean, wh- why isn't it smooth sailing? Why is it like? You know, God is promising this amazing thing. You would think that if he promises this great offspring, that there would not be a barren woman anywhere along the line for any amount of time. Because, well, we need to have a big offspring. uh, You know, the key ingredient is to have a very fruitful wife, woman, couple who will have many children. Amen. So what's going on? But it doesn't stop there. You know, in the next generation, right? We have Abraham who has Isaac, Isaac. Then we have as the next line is being is Jacob and Jacob and Rachel. We read in Genesis 30 verse 22. God eventually remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. So Rachel's womb was closed as well. It says she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. So 
Now we have another generation. The same thing. You see, brothers and sisters, it's, it could be easy for us to think, well, you know, if God comes and he promises something, a child, a offspring, who's going to be very special for God's kingdom, even though our main thing would be to expect that God would just have it, everything go quickly, easily, smoothly, it's not always the way it goes. And you know what could be the easy thing for us to fall into is if we believe that God has made a promise for us, and if it doesn't go the way we expect at the time we expect as quickly as we expect and as easily as we expect, we can then eventually start losing faith, just like Abraham and Sarah did make our own plans. But oftentimes we see the pattern being that when there is a promise on the life of a child, a generation, a lineage, there is also often tribulation, hardship that would go along with that trial. Uh, in fact, let's look at another example. If you look at John, okay, John the Baptist, very important figure in, our, in your New Testament, his father, Zechariah, and his mother had the same issue. And we see, for example, in Luke 1 verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, okay, he's speaking to the angel, angel came to him and said, you will have a very special son, and he says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. My wife is not as past the age of childbearing. Same problem. How is this child going to come forth? That's supposed to be so special for God. And in fact, what ended up happening is because Zachariah didn't believe, he struggled to believe. He didn't believe that God could do such a miracle in his heart. He went mute from then on forward until the day that his son was born. Right. And, and so we have to ask this question now. So we see now this 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 pattern that out of the wombs of barren women came forth God's promises. It, it, it was not out of the wombs of fruitful women who who just easily had a baby any day they want, any time they want. Like, and there are there's a lot of women out there like that, right? God has blessed many women with that. But these women struggle to have children. And in fact, if it, if it was only one generation, if there was only if it was um, if it was um, not Abraham and Sarah, but if it was instead Isaac. And his wife, who, who struggled and eventually did not have a child because she was barren and never got a child. And if that miracle didn't come through, well, guess what? The whole promise falls apart because now it stops there. But see, here's the deal, brothers and sisters. Miracles are only miracles when we are faced with impossibilities. When we are faced with the situation where where we realize we're in pushed into this corner and we're like, God, you have promised this to us. God, you have told us that this is what you tell us we, we, you have for us and we desire this. But, oh God, if you don't come through, then this won't happen. Like we have, if we're in that place of reliance on God, that's the moment that that is that's that is a moment that is created for his miracles to take place. 
But if all these women were very fruitful and, and they just had children like normal and there was nothing really special about, there, there would be no miracle, there would be nothing really special about any of this. And, and ultimately, you would not be witnessing God's hand. Because see, it, God is making His, His hand, he, He's making His hand known. He's, he's showing, look, I'm involved here. I determine who has children. I determine when these women will have their babies. In my timing, I'm in control. I give the children and the children that I am bringing forth through these lines are handpicked, destined by me. I choose them. This is what he is communicating. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Imagine your apply this to anything in your life. If your life only went smoothly, according to plan, easily, fruitfully. Would you not attribute that to yourself? Would you not attribute that to just nature? But if there was something super nature, supernatural that had to happen, that's when you start as people, that's that's when we start attributing things to God and saying things like, wow, I mean, you would even hear someone who doesn't believe in God think there must be a God because this is such a, a great miracle that has happened. You even have that that saying in the world, oh, there must be a God. Why? Because when there is something supernatural happen there, God is showing his presence in that place. And so what, what am I trying to say by all this is, is in your situation where you are, when you are holding on to God's promise for goodness in your life. And if things aren't coming together the way you want at the time you want as easily as you wanted, what will you do with that situation? Will you look and wait upon the hand of God to come and show up and wait for the opportunity to give God glory? Or will you Will your faith waver like some of the examples we just read about who wavered in their faith, who, 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 who struggled to believe that God could do such a big miracle? But here's what God told Moses. Moses, you doubt me. You doubt that I could use you because of your weakness. I created humanity. You don't think I can overcome any issue, any trial that humanity faces. I created you. I created the world. Do you think that there is something in this world that is a trial that is too big for me if I created the world? Think about that. How can we doubt God considering who he is and what he has already done? Not just for us, but in the world at large. And then we come to this story in the New Testament with Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we see something really interesting because God comes to her with a similar big promise that she is going to have a child. But hold up. I mean, she's never been with a man in her life. She is a virgin. And she is betrothed to her husband, Joseph, who she's not been with yet, but yet betrothed. That's an awkward situation. That's a hard situation. How am I going to explain to my husband that I am about to have a baby and it's not another man, but it's a supernatural birth. Okay, all these natural thoughts and fears will be coming in, questions will be coming in. 
And on top of that, I need to believe that God will actually do this. Like he's going to, I'm going to be the first woman ever that's going to have a pregnancy without ever being been with a man, without even trying. And she believes. It says that in Luke 138, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, contrasting this with all the people before, Zechariah, who had uh, uh, his wife be old, or Abraham, whose wife Sarah was old, or or Jacob, who, you know, as you see him too, his wife has is, is, is got a closed womb, right? All these people having these, these trials as well, but many of them having doubts and unbeliefs. And here we have an even bigger miracle, really, because this is, a miraculous virgin birth. It's an even bigger miracle than a barren barren woman having a a birth. That's a miracle too, but a virgin birth, that's never been heard of before. That's just insane. And it's so much more controversial on top of it all. But yet Mary in her gift of faith comes and says, whatever you want, Lord, I'll do. Even, Even if that brings up questions, I'll do it, Lord. Whatever it means, I'll do it, God. As long as it's according to your will, whatever your will is, I'll do it. Could we not all have the faith that is the faith of Yeshua's parents? And perhaps that is a beautiful picture of his parents and his lineage and what he ultimately becomes when he grows up and his disciples and the lineage that his that is now coming after him, which is the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham. This following of Jesus, of Yeshua, the people coming to faith through him are becoming grafted into Israel, into that is Abraham's lineage to be all become children of the promise. And this is all a picture of how God calls us to have the faith like Mary and Joseph ultimately did. But now, there is a second aspect to this that we need to talk about. You see, it's it's one thing to hope for a miracle when that miracle is something we desire to take place. But it, it is a totally different thing when we are faced with a promise of God that would mean that a reality would form around us that we would not really delight in. Now, now let me let me give you an example from Scripture for, for what I'm talking about here, because God's promises, when we think about them, we think about, oh, well, that's thing, something I want. However, sometimes God's promises involve things that are like we kind of discussed and touched on hard tribulation, even considered dangerous or something that can be a shameful thing for us to go through. The disciples were faced with many trials along the way where the world were, ta- were trying to shame them for their belief in this Messiah. Uh, but not only that, you know, when we look in other places of Scripture uh, and we go back to some of the examples we talked about, we see Abraham, for example, right? He is called out of his hometown, his homeland, and God tells him, this is the promise you need to leave, though, to get it. So he leaves his homeland, goes to a land of, that he has not known before. And in that land, he sees the men and the pagans and he looks around. And as he looks around and he and he sees them, he thinks, well, look, at, and he looks at his wife and he thinks, my, my wife is 
beautiful. In fact, my wife is so beautiful, I'm concerned that if these pagan men look upon her, they may think, well, she's beautiful. Let's kill her husband and we can have her. So even though God came to Abraham and promised him that he is with him, he is as a promise that needs to be fulfilled and all of this, which obviously mean there's going to be safety because you're not going to have a lineage of as many as the stars in the heavens if if you're going to be killed along the way. No. So Abraham has unbelief creep in and in because he is afraid for his life. He is afraid of the danger in the world that God's promise has now introduced into his life. And so what he then does is he says to Sarah, his wife, you, since you are my half sister, because Sarah was his half sister, since you are my half sister, I want you to tell everyone that you're just my sister and and don't tell them you're my wife. And so this lie, because even though you can argue it's a small lie, it's it's a lie is formed from this unbelief. And like father, like son, it's quite interesting how his son, Isaac, when it comes to him and his wife, the same thing exactly happens. He tells his wife, I want you to tell everyone you're my sister and because I'm afraid for my life. So this fear of the danger comes in again. But now, will you be like that? Will you, when you are faced with a danger, a shame, something along the way, when you're involved in God's promise, will you, in your unbelief of God's protection over you, go and, well, make your own plans, lie? You see, that destroys your own witness. But see, when you look at, again, the life of Yeshua, and his parents and what happened there in your New Testament, you find how Mary and Joseph, they, you know, Jesus' parents, they were faced with a similar thing because look, Mary, it says in uh, Matthew one nineteen, her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Joseph, I mean, think about this. You're a man. You are about to um, consummate the marriage with your wife and you find out she's pregnant. You're thinking she's been with another man because you've never been with her. And if you don't think that, the world's going to think that, though. The world's going to be like, she's pregnant. Who's the who's the man? Right. The world's going to wonder, who is it? Who's the father? But the angel comes to Joseph, tells him this is what has happened. God has done a miracle. This is a miraculous virgin uh, uh, pregnancy and birth that is happening in her. And that is what causes him to now be like, I believe and I am willing to go forward with this promise of God that could even bring shame upon my life. Because think about this, the people who do not believe in this miracle all in the world, many people even to this day do not believe in the miracle of the virgin birth. They do not believe there was a miracle. They believe that there was 
nothing unnatural about it, but that she was with someone, some another man. And see, Joseph is faced with this reality that there's people around him that will forever be there that will wonder and criticize and shame his life and his wife's life about adultery, about fornication that occurred. But yet, even faced with this possibility, because this is definitely something that went through his mind, but even though he was faced with this, he does not like Abraham and like Isaac when they fear for this situation that God's promise has brought about. They do, he does not go and make his own plan. He doesn't go and try and, and smooth talk around it and lie to the people and say, oh, no, yes, this child was actually our child. You know, we had this child naturally. There's nothing special. You know, they could have gone that route to just smooth things over, to just make it easy for everyone to just understand so no one questions anything. But they don't do that. In fact, they go along with the narrative that God creates, that this is a miraculous virgin birth that, that the Messiah is coming forward from. And this faith in God's miracle and faithfulness to his miracle and faithfulness to his will, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes and can introduce uncomfortable questions to, uh, to your life, they still went forth and believed. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you this question. When you are on this journey that you're on, brought about by God's promises, what will you do? How will you respond to these situations that will inevitably come upon your life? When God does something, God does a miracle, does something unnatural, supernatural. When God puts you on a journey unconventionally, People don't understand. People criticize. Or when you are afraid of what people may think of you because of the journey you're on and the decisions that you need to make, the places you need to go, the things you need to leave behind. What will you do with that? What will you decide? Who will you fear more? Man like Abraham did, like his son Isaac did? Or will you be like Jesus's parents? Mary and Joseph, who just believed in God, were so faithful to the promise of God to take care of what he has entrusted to them as their calling. What will you do? That's my question to you this week. I want to ask you to think about really putting all your faith and all your trust in God, fearing him and him alone and not fearing man. I hope that this teaching has blessed you. Subscribe to this channel, like this video if it has, and share it with your friends. I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have made this video possible and every other video this month. If you want to become a partner, you can join us at riseonfire.com. Many blessings and shalom.